you'd like to follow along with the message today, there's an outline provided in your bulletin as we continue looking at the Christmas passages in the Gospel of Matthew. Well, while Christmas is big news, apparently there is bigger news this week, and that is that a new Star Wars movie came out. I'm sure everyone's heard of it because it's been everywhere, on every television show, incorporated in every fast food restaurant. It's everywhere. You can't get away from it. And I haven't seen it yet, so please don't tell me what happens, okay? But Star Wars is this fun fantasy universe in outer space with different alien races and planets and galaxies and starships, and it's this really cool thing with aliens in it. And it makes me think, would it be ridiculous if we believed that that was true? Would it be weird if you were sitting here in this room right now and you believed, yeah, of course that exists. It's just a few parsecs that way or in this galaxy over here. Would we look at you weird? Yeah, we probably would. What would it mean if we believed and we knew there were aliens out there? That would be really weird if they showed up on our planet. If we started believing about UFOs and flying saucers, people would just look at us crazy. Well, at Christmas time, we can feel a little bit crazy because we believe in another kind of alien invasion. You see, someone has come to live among us who is not one of us. Is that not an alien invasion that we celebrate at Christmas? And so, are we crazy? Are we crazy for believing something like this? Are we just as crazy as someone who believes that Chewbacca is out there somewhere and we could find him if we just had the right spaceship? I don't know. And so today we're going to ask about this invasion of God invading our earth. How did it happen? Why? And what does it mean for us? So we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 to learn more about this divine invasion. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25, a very familiar passage around Christmas time. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that sometimes, even though the word says something that seems completely illogical and crazy to us, we trust that you are God and we are not, and that you work in ways that we don't expect because your ways are higher than our ways, and your wisdom is far greater than our wisdom. And so, Lord, thank you for your word. May we trust it. 
And may your spirit fill us this day to hear from your word the truth we need to hear today, that we would grow in the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So the big idea from our very familiar Christmas passage is that if God has invaded the world through Jesus, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas, then we, like Joseph, need to sit down and consider these things. Consider what has happened. And so we're going to do that by asking these three questions. What happened, why, and what it means for us. So last week we looked at Jesus' genealogy and his crazy family tree, but now in verse 18, Matthew jumps right in. And he says, here's how the birth of Jesus took place. And so he gets down to business telling us what has happened, and immediately we're left thinking, this is crazy. As crazy as an alien invasion. That a young woman named Mary was engaged to Joseph, and without having any sexual relations, she became pregnant. In Christian history, this is known as the virgin birth, and that's a little misleading because as far as we know, when Jesus was born, that was pretty normal. It's like any other child being born. It was the conception that was unusual, a virgin conception, that this wasn't like in Greek mythology where one of the Greek gods or goddesses would come down and impregnate a human. In some way, the spirit made life where there was no life in Mary's womb. Now, to us, again, this sounds crazy. I get it. This sounds impossible. But Matthew emphasizes it again and again. First, he mentions that Mary was with child by the Holy Spirit. Then the angel tells Joseph that what's conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. Then he quotes a prophecy from Isaiah, which talks about a virgin giving birth to a son. And then finally, he reminds us uh, that Joseph refrained from any relations with Mary until after Jesus was born. Matthew very clearly writes in his gospel that Jesus was born through divine activity, through a virgin conception. Now that is very hard for our minds to comprehend. It doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem like there's any way that could have happened. And so a common response in our day and time is to look at something like this and say, well, yeah, but people back then believed this kind of stuff. You know, they are not enlightened as we are by science and facts. They believed these crazy things. Well, guess what? Matthew knew where babies came from. I can guarantee that. Matthew knew where babies come from, and they don't come out of nowhere. They come from somewhere. So why restate this virgin conception so many times if it's something that, oh yeah, that happens all the time? It's something unusual. In fact, the very reason it is unusual is the reason we should look to it as its truthfulness. The reason his birth is so important is because nothing happened like this. It is unnatural. And another thing, Joseph also knew where babies came from. I'm pretty sure. Now, we do not have in the Bible, and man, I am so bummed because I want to ask him someday. We don't have it how Joseph found out. Did Mary come tell him? Did he find out from a family member? Did she include the story of the Holy Spirit? Or was it just, hey, uh, your fiance's pregnant? See, Joseph knew where babies came from, and it wasn't by magic. 
That's why Joseph wanted to break off the engagement. But Matthew is writing that Jesus' birth is unlike anything the world had ever seen. His supernatural conception spoke to his divine identity that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. That God himself took on flesh and walked among us. But first, he crawled and he drooled among us. You see, this is even crazier than the idea of a virgin conception, that the very God of the universe, the maker of all things, would humble himself and take on human flesh. It really makes our minds freak out when we try and think about how God can become a person. And the best ways I can think of it don't even do it justice. It would be like an author who has written a really good novel series, maybe The Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, and that author says, you know what? That main character's in, in trouble. And then writes themselves into the story and becomes that character in the world. No longer the author above all things, but enters the book that was written. That's crazy. Or like a little girl playing with dolls and saying, man, it would be really fun to live in that dollhouse. And then becoming a doll herself and living among her dolls in the house. And we're all like, but that can't happen. Yeah, I know. It would be like a teenage boy who's playing video games and is like, man, I want to get in the, get in the game. And becomes a video game character in the game walking around with all the other characters. And we're like, yeah, I know, but this can't happen. But that's what scripture is saying, that the very God of the universe has showed up. But he didn't show up as a full-grown man. He showed up as a child. You see, Jesus' entrance into this world through the virgin conception is truly remarkable. It is a supernatural event in space and time. And yes, as crazy as it sounds, as much as it seems like I need a tinfoil hat, I believe it to be true. That scripture says this is true. Matthew writes it as history, not as myth. He writes that it actually happened as ridiculous as it might seem to us or to them back then. And so if something like this has happened, the the next logical question is, well, why would something like this happen? What would prompt the author to come into the story? What would prompt God to take on human flesh? And so Matthew starts looking at why it happened. And he gives us the two names of Jesus here, and they point to the reason that this child has come. And each name means something different, Jesus and Emmanuel. The first name he gives is Jesus, which is equivalent to the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua. And it means the Lord saves. Now, that was a very common name during that time, like John is today. But what Matthew is saying is that this particular Jesus was going to represent the Lord saving his people from their sins. And so what this name tells us is that the divine invasion was a rescue mission. God sent his son to save his people from their sins. The miraculous child entered our world because we needed him to come and save us. The problem of sin needed to be addressed and we needed a special someone, a unique person to come and do that. So that's the name Jesus. But he's also given this name Emmanuel. And that 
we learn more about Jesus from this. It means God with us, that the child in Mary's womb is actually God, the God who rules over all things with power and justice, that he comes to be with us in a new way in Jesus. You see, at the very beginning, God was with his people in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Scripture says that God walked with them in the Garden, that there was fellowship between them. They were together. But then Adam and Eve sinned. They were cast out of the garden, never to return. The fellowship was broken. God could no longer be with his people in the same way. And so now he spoke to them in other ways, whether it's in a cloud on a mountain like with Moses or in a temple for the priests. God would no longer walk with his people, at least until Jesus learned to walk. You see, other nations during that time, worshipped idols that they made with their hands. They were physical representations of gods they had believed in. But God said, you know what? we got to do better than that. And he sent a living, breathing idol in Jesus. See, Emmanuel means that people were able to know God, a living, breathing, talking, relating, loving God. That God would make himself known and be with his people. So it wasn't only a rescue mission, it was a mission of restoration. Restoring what was lost in the garden. So those two types of mission, rescue and restoration, are tied together. The reason our relationship with God needs to be restored is because of the sin we need to be rescued from. And a rescue had to occur in order for us to be restored with God. God didn't wait for us to rescue ourselves. In fact, God didn't even wait for us to say, help, help, I need to be rescued. He simply came to rescue and restore. We see this especially in the Old Testament context of the prophecy that Matthew quotes. We hear that verse a lot, but we don't really know what's going on in Isaiah 7 where it comes from. The prophecy was originally given by Isaiah, the prophet, to King Ahaz, one of those names we talked about a lot last week. And King Ahaz was not a bit of a political pickle. Everybody around King Ahaz got together and was like, man, why don't we go destroy Ahaz and his country? That's a great idea. Let's go do that. And so Ahaz knew this group of nations were coming to get him. And Isaiah came to him and said, cry out to God for help and he will help you. And Ahaz said, "Uh, no thanks. I'm going to call up this other nation, pagan Assyria, and give them a call. And Isaiah said, God will give you a sign. He will give you any sign, whatever sign you ask to show you, he will be with you. Just trust in God and not other nations. And Ahaz was like, nah, no thanks. I'm good. I'm going to trust them. And so what does God do? God sends him a sign anyway. He doesn't care how stubborn Ahaz is. He doesn't care that Ahaz is in trouble and he's doing the wrong thing. He says, fine, I'm giving you a sign anyway because that's the kind of God I am and I am going to show you I will be with you even when you're too stubborn to hear it. See, just as Ahaz was stubborn, so also we can be stubborn, not realizing the kind of rescue we need. God came into the world to rescue and restore, regardless of whether or not the world wanted him to come. 
It's a kind of invasion, not an invasion where we are standing there with the airport flagging cone saying, right here, God, come on in, waving you in. We want you here. But the kind where he shows up unnoticed. And when he is noticed, people don't want him there. You see, the divine invasion happened and it was out of our control. It was for our good. Jesus came to rescue and restore. But it's up to us then to ask, well, what does that mean for us that an invasion has happened. Well, the biggest implication, I think, is that we have to properly define Emmanuel. That Emmanuel means God with us. And oftentimes, we like to think Emmanuel means God with us if we want him to be. That he is an optional thing. That is an optional invasion. That in our world today, we struggle with objective truth. We talked about this in the adult Sunday school class today. That in other words, if we don't want something to be true, we just ignore it. Or we believe something else and say, well, that's going to be true for me. In this way, something can be true for this half of the room, but for you guys, that's not true. We have other truth over here. But what Emmanuel means is that we do not get to decide this truth. That God is with us. He has come into our world through Jesus And it's not our choice to say whether or not he has come. Think of it in these ways. Imagine you are a king. Oh, it's great to be king. Imagine you're king sitting in your castle and another king is coming to invade your castle. He's going to seize your castle. You're like, nah, I don't believe that. I I don't want anyone to invade me. So please do not invade me. The king who is invading you does not care that you don't want him there. He does not care that you don't believe he is at the gates. He is at the gates. He is there. Or imagine you're at work, and your boss comes in to observe you and your coworkers for the day. You don't want your boss there observing you. Not at all. But it doesn't matter what you want. He is there. Boss with us. It's a lot like Emmanuel. You can try to ignore your boss. You can hope he goes away. But guess what? He's there. He is there with you. He has invaded your workspace and you cannot falsify it. You cannot deny it. He's standing right there next to you. And you must respond in some way. Maybe there's some young kids in here. Maybe when children are doing what they're not supposed to be doing, not that that ever happens, and dad enters the room, Their desire for dad or mom to not be in the room doesn't matter. Dad is with us. He is there. The children must deal with that invading authority in some way. They cannot ignore, they cannot say, I believe he's not there. I mean, they're good at pretending, but not that good at pretending. And so Emmanuel means that the great authority over all of us has showed up. That we can try to ignore his presence. We can hope he just leaves. But Emmanuel means he is here. It means we must deal with his presence. We must deal with the fact that God has made himself known. That it is not a question of whether or not he is here, but that he is. He's made himself known in order to rescue us. The name Jesus implies we need to be saved, that we need to be rescued. And so this invader has come, and yes, he has come to tear down your castle, but that's because he has a really, really good castle. 
He has come to tear it down. He has come to take you to HR, not to fire you, not to punish you, but to say, I've got something for you. I love you. I'm here to rescue you. See, in this particular passage, we experience this invasion through the eyes of Joseph. He is our eyes. He is our point of contact in this passage. And so what we see from Joseph is that he trusts and obeys. He hears the word of the Lord, and he does all that the Lord commands him. Joseph was a good dude. It says that. He was a just man, a righteous man. He was trying to do the right thing. He could have had Mary stoned. He could have had her thrown in jail. And he's like, you know what? The right thing would be to not put her to shame. And so he tries to show justice and mercy. So why does he need some God coming in to tell him how to live his life? He's got it pretty well figured out. But that's not what he did. He obeyed. Joseph could have complained about the cost, thinking through, well, if I take this child in, everyone is going to know he's not my son. Everyone is going to ridicule us that I have someone else's son with me. Everyone is going to shame us and mock us because we did not do things the right way. Eventually, in fact, they may have to worry about the publicity, the notoriety, that you are the parents of the chosen one. That doesn't sound like a great job description. That he was never going to have what he considered a normal life. That God had come. He had interrupted that normal life. Announced his presence. And asked him to respond. See, that's what we see from Joseph. That's what we're called to do as well. That God interrupts in our lives at some point or another. Maybe it's when we're really young. Maybe it's later in life. God interrupts and he says, I am here. This is why I have come. And now what? See, Joseph trusted God. He obeyed the word of the Lord. He did as the angel commanded him. That as far-fetched as it seemed, as inconvenient as it would be to him, he trusted the word of God. And for us today, if God is with us, if there is an authority who's shown himself in this world then we have to choose whether or not to trust him. When the boss or the dad walks in the room, you can't just be like, okay, you're there, and do nothing. You either obey and respect the authority, or you rebel. And so we face this choice like Joseph did, that God sent his son into the world so that we might know him. He sent him on a rescue mission. Will we listen to his message? Will we hear the call for rescue? Or will we pretend we don't hear him? Will we refuse to believe it happened? That it just sounds way too crazy. I understand that the virgin conception, that God coming with us in our world, sounds as crazy as believing in aliens, as UFOs, or Area 51 conspiracies. It sounds crazy like that. I get that. But there is truth. Either there is extraterrestrial life or there isn't. There is an answer. We may believe one or the other, but there is truth behind that. In the same way, either God did or didn't come. He either was born of a virgin conception or he was not. It's one or the other. We can believe either, but what is the truth behind it? See, if the Christmas story is not true, then 
get out of here. Don't worry about it. You guys can leave right now. If it's not true, don't worry about it. It's nothing different than another fun story that we do at Christmas, like the movie Elf or Miracle on 34th Street. It's no more true than any of those things, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to worry because there is no authority who's come. But if it is true, then there really is an authority over us who came into the world. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, that God came to rescue. He came to either bless or to curse. He came to bring rescue, even if we do not realize we need to be rescued. But if that rescue is not received, then we will not be rescued. And we suffer the consequences of that. See, I understand that determining the truth of this story is a li- just a little different for us than it, it was for Joseph. Joseph had an angel show up. Now, I don't know what's going to happen today, but an angel has not showed up yet, at least that I have seen. And so we have to trust something else. Joseph had an angel come and speak to him and tell him exactly what was happening. And man, sometimes we wish that would just happen. It, we do. We can be honest about that. But God has spoken to us. You see, it's not how Joseph heard that matters. It's what Joseph did after he heard. It doesn't matter how he received the message. It is how he then trusted the message. You see, we hear the word of God today in scripture that God has faithfully given to us. And God calls us, like Joseph, to trust and obey his word that we need to be rescued. He calls us to believe that a child was conceived by inconceivable means. And that that child is the one who has come to rescue us. That an otherworldly authority decided, I am going to come to earth as a newborn child to make people the children of God. That is the story of Christmas. It is the good news that there has been an invasion, an invasion for good. For good that we can receive God's restorative presence, God's rescue, and all of this is possible in the Lord Jesus Christ. So trust him today. Trust the word of God this Christmas, for he has come to save sinners like us. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ and the blessing that he is to us. Lord, sometimes the things we read in scripture just blow our minds. Sometimes they seem impossible, like they couldn't possibly happen, but we serve a God of the impossible. We serve a God who has power beyond anything we can ever imagine. And Lord, we are so thankful that you have come to rescue that you have come to save us from our sins in Jesus Christ and to be with us. So no matter what we face in this life, whether it is death, whether it is suffering, whether it is injustice, heartbreak, brokenness, poverty, you are with us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.